What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast for FilmmakerU.com. And of course, every week we bring you an interview with film professional to explore the craft of filmmaking. Of course, this week is no different. I'm going to be interviewing the VFX supervising team, Eric Durst and Matt Whelan, about their work on Five Days at Memorial for Apple TV+. Five Days at Memorial is based on a true story that looks at the doctors and nurses for the intensive care unit in New Orleans as they struggle to treat their patients during Hurricane Katrina in a facility without power for five days. For the VFX, Eric and Matt needed to do a combination of digital and practical, and they needed to actually build a massive water tank and create a hospital structure that they could easily run massive amounts of water through and also destroy. And that's just the start. If you enjoy these interviews, of course, check us out at filmmakeru.com for all our courses where we bring in the industry professionals to discuss their work. This includes Eric Whip, the colorist for Mad Max, Ferry Road, three-time Oscar winner VFX supervisor Rob Legato, and award-winning producer for HBO Docs, Sam Pollard. Now, if you use the promo code THECUTTINGROOM, all one word, THECUTTINGROOM, you'll get 10% off. Now, with all that said, let's hear what Matt and Eric have to say about five days in memorial. I have to ask you guys about your education because Matt, you went to Sheridan and uh, Eric, you studied under uh, Engels, I think it was. Yeah. Um, So what I'm wondering is whenever I talk to um, like students, they're always, you know, excited about what they're learning, what have you, but I'm always interested in knowing like, was there something you didn't learn while you were there? that you wish you had known or had learned before you got to the industry? Well, uh, I, th- I think, well, first of all, just to give a credit for what I did learn, and I think Matt and I share this because we have sort of animation backgrounds, is it animation and understanding how uh, timing and just how to portray movement and life in the frame with the mm-hmm. simplest of tools, even just a line drawing, is something that is foundational for like everything. So uh, that that was the 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 main thing I took away from my education. I think the thing that I didn't know about, which I don't think you can ever know about, is just how the business works and just how networking and how knowing people and just how everything sort of builds. It's like this this giant fabric of of relationships that you have as well as the work itself. It's a combination of lots of things. Hmm. So I think that's something you only learn through experience. So maybe that's something you can't learn. Interesting. What about yourself, Matt? Yeah, well, I was actually just going to kind of laud the same aspects of my education that Eric brought up there. And it is funny that we have that in common, that we both come from kind of a background of classical animation, as it were. And um, one of the things I think that's helped me a ton in my education is being able to draw. So being able to do things really quickly, storyboard, animate, all those types of things, because we work in a visual medium. And so the, I think it's the slowest way to, to learn to communicate, but it's also probably the most useful once you get a handle on it. Um, the thing I wish I had learned that I, I didn't um, was probably that things are going to be okay. I think I was very um, tense about the industry and how to succeed when I was younger. And, um, you know, I was looking for ways to succeed that um, almost become pathological towards your actual goal because you're um uh worried so much about things and 
at the end of the day, if you just work hard and get good at your craft, everything else kind of works out because as Eric pointed out, you you meet the right people and you work in the industry and you become somebody who they expect uh, good work from. And it, it, it really does stand for itself. So do you guys, cause I know that you guys have both directed in some capacity. Uh, do you guys make little animations on the side for fun or do you just, you just use it for work now? <laughs> I do. I mean, I, I use it, I use it for work a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. more than probably more than just making films itself. I, I used to do a lot of that. Uh, but now I just, uh, there's, there's so much work going on right now that that pretty much consumes a lot of it. And, uh, you know, you influence things you, you bring to a shot or bring to uh, a series that you're working on or a movie, those aspects that you would do, maybe you would apply to a short film that you're doing. So you try to influence in a certain way. And, um, and that's sort of how I, I use those skills. So how did you yeah. guys, oh, sorry, sorry, Matt. Oh, no, I, no, no, problem. I was just going to agree with Eric again, hundred percent. It's like, there's no time to do that as much anymore. now that we're, uh, there's so much work to do, but, um, all that work of making films and commercials and all those things, uh, feed into all the aspects and understanding of filmmaking for visual effects. Now, I was going to ask, uh, how did you guys get involved with Five Days at Memorial and, and what were your roles when you initially got on board? Uh, I can start. I got a phone call from uh, ABC and uh, Paul Radwin, and, uh, who's somebody I had known for a long time. And uh, he asked if I'd be interested in um, uh, interviewing for the job. And so I, I did that. And I'll just... Uh, preemptively say that that Matt and I were both interviewing for this job and and fortunately they hired both of us which was <laughs> incredible and uh it, it really worked out beautifully and I would the, the one of the issues in a television series is that it's it's maybe it's not enough work for two but it's worked for like one and a half but it's over it's too much for one so actually uh Matt and I have uh, all these different skill sets that I think blended well together. Matt is incredible visualizer of things. You can have a conversation amongst people and he will show you something and say, is, is it like this? And he'll show you an illustration or drawing or a 3D animation that uh, coalesces everything you talked about. So he's just brilliant at that. So uh, it was wonderful for us to have that partnership. Yeah, and uh, I got a call, I can't remember, oh, um, through uh, the producer who was early on the show, and she, uh, I had worked with her on American Gods, um, and uh, she, we interviewed, as Eric said, and Eric got the uh, top spot, and I was brought on kind of as a second visual effects supervisor, um, and uh, I felt really lucky to be on the show at all, to be honest, like with the pedigree that we were involved with. Um, and, uh, it, I think as Eric said, we just had a really great kind of, um, cohesion working together. I ended up doing a lot of the previs when we all worked on the, as a team, but I would have the hands on with the computer as he was mentioning. And, and, uh, Eric, uh, kind of finished the show for months and months after when I, I stepped off. So, um, all the, all the finality and the, um, all the detail is, as well as all the historical accuracy up front, um, being involved in all those conversations. Um, Eric's something of a historian, and it really helped us understand, it really helped me understand the project as a whole to go back and look at things with, uh, with his eye a little bit. I guess, because when I, when I was doing research for this, there was a lot of practical effects, and there's sort of a mix between like digital and practical. So how did you guys as a team figure out 
this is what's going to be practical and this is what's going to be uh, digital? I think a lot of that was with Matt's pre-visualization. And Matt, you can talk to that, speak to that, because water was the big problem. It's like, how do we do water? We got water everywhere. And a lot of it was going to be digital, but water, uh, especially with actors, you know, waiting around in it is uh, you want to do it with real water. So there'd be obviously a tank of some kind. But uh, Matt, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, it was just a big physical pragmatic problem that we had to overcome. So we had these long shots, uh, John and Carlton are both very austere filmmakers. So we end up with these long one or shots. Uh, the biggest one is probably the opening of the, of the show where the investigators are moving along in the boats. And um, we just had to figure out pragmatically how to achieve that in a tank. We had a huge tank that was about 150 by 250 feet uh, that we built out in Hamilton and uh, it held 9, 000, 9 million liters of water some incredible amount. You could feel the pressure when you were inside it. And we could literally lift trucks and put them in and uh, in and out by a crane. Um, and the, uh, yeah, the big thing was just to figure out how to stitch together. So that one long shot is actually three shots. And Eric and I did a lot of work to try to figure out what we could get away with and how to plan it in a way that we used every inch of that tank. And then we discussed with Carlton and John how we could move and Ramsey, our DP as well, who was amazing. Um, how we could deep, uh, move the camera in a way that would allow us to hand off between the cuts or, uh, and stitch it, stitch it back together seamlessly. Eric has a lot of uh, experience stitching shots, which I was kind of new at, and it was a really cool thing to learn. Um, I do have a small comment. One of my favorite things about the film industry is watching or seeing how people come up with solutions to problems. <laughs> so like, and it's yeah. usually like the craziest solution. Like we need to create a flood. How do we do that? Yeah. Um, and that's always fun to hear how, how people do that. So what were, what made stitching things together so difficult? Well, I, I think a lot of it is that the A and the B parts or the A, B and C parts or A, B, C, D parts, they all have to match in a certain degree, a certain area. I mean, you can cheat it, you can move it around, but you have to have sort of a semblance of, of these, these matching. So I think working with actors and having, making sure that they're in the relatively same place. If you're going to stitch two shots together to make it look like one seamless shot, um, you have to replace backgrounds or a lot of different things you have to do, but, uh, the closer you can come to matching those two, uh, pieces as they overlay, the better off you are. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a battle of trying to get that to exist. Now, was there a particular scene? I, and I'm wondering if both of you have a particular scene that you, you found challenging, but you're really happy with the, the outcomes of it. Well, <laughs> uh, well, no, for me, it would be that, that it, opening shot. Oh yeah. yeah. The opening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The opening one, just because it, it's that one that we did stitch together and it was, it's the first shot we talked about on the show and the first shot that was prevised and it ended up being one of the last things we shot just because of the logistics of building the tank and uh covid and a bunch of other problems along the way but um it just ended up as the shot that you couldn't do i it, it's just one of those shots that uh, really added to the scope of the movie i felt but also um uh, it was unachievable because we don't have hundreds of feet of flooded New Orleans around us. We were on a back lot essentially in Hamilton in a tank that was constructed. And 
And I think it's just, to me, um, it's just such movie magic to see what we shot versus what we got. And, and for those who, who can't see it uh, or haven't seen it yet, it's it's basically this long shot where the, there are these fan boats of these these uh, people who are coming, investigators who are coming to the hospital. So they're, they're uh, coming basically from the city uh, and showing all the debris and damage that's, that's gone on in the neighborhood. And then, uh, then they uh, go off and then you see the hospital in the distance and they start to get towards the hospital. So it, it had all these different aspects of uh, damaged New Orleans. And we only had a certain number of set pieces and we were trying to utilize as many as possible. So it was just, there are a lot of different elements and factors in that. Well, how about yourself, Eric? Is there a particular scene or shot that you struggled with, but you were really happy with the outcome? Well, I think we'll go to the, the giant levee break in the Lower Ninth Ward. It's like we did a lot of research in terms of how levees break. And I thought it was like a wall and it just sort of like explodes, you know, like something you would expect in a big science fiction uh, movie, although this wasn't science fiction. Uh, but what happens actually is that, the, let me get an example here, is that the water goes over the, the, the wall itself and it goes into the surface underneath and it compromises the foundation. So at, after a while, if there's so much pressure, it just flops over. So all these uh, walls like are made of sections and it just flop, 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 flop like that. And what the, the um, intensity of it and the damage of it, uh, the, the problem of it is that it forms a giant amount of water instantaneously. So that's what happened in the Lower Ninth Ward uh, along with other places, but especially in that area. So it just took out like a tidal wave, all these uh, structures and houses and everything that were very closely knit together and close to the levee wall itself. So we did a lot of research of, of what that was going to be. Stormborn, who's this great visual effects company in Vancouver who specializes in water effects and simulation effects like this, um, did a brilliant job. It took them, Matt has the stats on it, but they're astronomical in terms of how much time it took to do it all on the computer. Um, so it was a really blend of research of what happened uh, because it was never photographed. No one was there waiting for it to happen. and uh, any security camera or anything like that that actually demonstrated what the the events were. Uh, so we had to figure a lot of that out, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, and then visualize it. And because it's photoreal and there's water and it's just the billions of elements that that went into that shot. So it was a progressive progressive shot that we knew would take a long time. It took I think nine months to create. Okay, yeah, so I, I, I was going to just say, I have to ask you what the set was now. <laughs> no, I was just looking it up because I uh, I was curious myself, but they were at uh, 3,084 hour, uh, 3, hours, so 128 days to render it. And it was 640. That, that's just frames. a rendering of the Yeah, I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. So what, what happens if the render fails or, like, <laughs> or, or you get to the end and you're like, you know what, we got to go back and re-render this because we want to yeah. change these things. Well, we did it a few yeah. times. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Jeez. It's, an issue. So, it's one of those shots is the first one you want to start and the last one that you're going to get. <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting because what you were talking about with the levees and how they break, um, you know, you, you sort of mentioned like in a big, um, you know, sci-fi film or something we would do sort of over the top, you know, it breaks. How do you as a team decide 
what has to follow, you know, reality in the sense, or we have to do the research and make sure that this levy breaks the way a levy actually breaks yeah. versus something that uh, you can take more liberties with and say, okay, well, let's create something that's visually more in, in uh, compelling. Well, I think it's, it's about timing a lot of it because events, let's say catastrophic events, oftentimes, first of all, we had to be very respectful of what happened down there and just the phenomenal uh, terror that, that occurred. But you also have to tell that story. You have to coalesce it in one shot and tell it in like 15 seconds. So uh, the event itself probably took you know, much longer but you have to speed it up in a realistic way. So you tell that story and in in, rather than just sitting there waiting for it to happen over a period of, you know, I don't know, minutes. So uh, that's one of the things that you have to cheat, I guess, if, if that's the right word, or you have to uh, be very efficient about. And also in that shot, we wanted to have an emotional sense of it. So, it starts where we're flying over as if you were in a television uh, uh, helicopter, just documenting what was going on. So you see it in the distance if you're in a helicopter, but we wanted an emotional content of it as well, not just look at looking at it objectively and seeing everything from afar, because that's usually what happens in aerial photography. So we, we started with it, and this was Carlton's idea, which I thought was brilliant because it really did seem the emotional content in, is as, as the levee bre breaks, you start to get closer to it and as if you get a little bit too close and you get swept up in the water and you start, all of a sudden you're watching it as, a, as a, an objective point of view and then you, it's subjective. Then you're right in it and you're, you're going to die. You're in the middle of the water, being flung, being uh, flung around, and then in the end, uh, you go under the water. So we really wanted those components to occur in that shot, and I think it worked out really well. Is there, you know, I asked you what was one of the more challenging shots, but is there a shot that you really just enjoyed doing that you really liked the the outcome of, or you really liked just the way it looks or the way it it plays out? Like you were just talking about the the way the water sort of pulls us along in that scene. I, I, I think the in terms of just joy of seeing how it all comes together, we had this giant tank like Matt was talking about. And just uh, El Ranchito did a lot of just brilliant work on extending the water and building the the hospital. Of course, we couldn't build the entire hospital. We, we built like two floors of it. But um, there are a lot of wider shots that take the... Uh, physical uh, tank in the water and then extend it out seamlessly. So I, I really like transparent effects. And I think Matt does as well. We all do where the biggest compliment is people don't even know you were there. So if someone says, Oh, we had 2000 shots in this, in this series. And they say, I didn't see any of them. So that's the biggest compliment. It's sort of this weird uh, compliment that you get. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, it's it's one of those things where uh, I think we just uh, we really felt that the goal of the visual effects in this series was to get out of the way to allow the audience to connect with the people. And it's very much a supportive role that we played on this one. So um, the 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 hope is nobody notices them and you're just sad for the events that took place. Now, I have one last question for you guys. What would you say is your favorite guilty pleasure film or TV show to watch? Eric, you want me to go first? Sure. 
I've got my answer, but go ahead. Uh, okay. I was, uh, my, mine is stand by me, no matter what, that's what I am a sucker for coming of age films. And if that's ever on TV, I'm going to sit down and, and watch it. It's just so well-crafted and hits me where it, where it resonates. How about yourself, Eric? On a, a different spectrum. Um, I really like P.T. Anderson's Magnolia. I think it's a really interesting film. Yeah. It's, it's just all these different characters that blend together probably Tom Cruise's best part, I think, actually craziest part. And uh, it's just, I like how insane that is. And uh, so I always watch that. I think that's a fabulous film. There are lots of them, but that's one that comes to mind. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you today, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. So that was my interview with Matt and Eric. I'd like to thank them for allowing me to interview them. I'd also like to thank Evan Winch, my sound editor, and of course, my producer, Jason Bangi. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.